1: Well, hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Young and Adulting. My name is Tyler. I will be your host for today, and today's a special treat. Today is a day that we are joined by none other than Pastor James Duvall. So Pastor James, thank you so much for, for being with us. Uh, we're we're going to lean in and, and talk about some really interesting topics around the ideas of, of self-leadership, and, and we're going to probe some questions because Pastor James is loaded with knowledge on a lot of different topics. <laughs> and so uh, before we jump into some of the conversations, and, and, and Pastor James, I'd love to give you a space to kind of lay the framework for kind of your journey and leadership, and you're, you're leading right now at such a, a large capacity, but I think for, for young adults, we, we miss out on the fact that there's a process to development. Yeah. There's often long periods of time that go into leadership development, and so I, I want to give you a chance to kind of uh, share your, your leadership journey, but before you do, if you don't know this about Pastor James, you're a huge reader, Yeah. okay, how many books did you read in 2020?
0: Well, first of all, I'm really pumped about being on the podcast, so thanks yes, for having me. For sure. So, uh, 2020 was a little bit of a down year. Damn. I read uh, 77 books. Okay.
1: Wherever you're listening, if you're you're in the car or you're in the kitchen, and you hear you said 77.
0: 77. 53 um, physical books and okay. 24 audible okay. books.
1: Okay. Well. Uh, I know that some of our viewers have probably never read 77 books in their life, so <laughs> that sounds like an up year for me and probably everyone, but before you tell us how you did that or how you ever ended up in a place where you're able to read that many uh, in a year, which is absolutely incredible, uh, I would love for you to just kind of share your story of leadership development. You've been at Christ Fellowship for so long, leading in, in so many amazing ways, but that wasn't the case all yeah. the time. And so I want to give you some space to kind of set the groundwork for, for who you are and kind of how you've been developed over the last couple of decades.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. So, uh, just a kind of a backstory um, my wife, Lisa, and I married when we were pretty young. I mean, 21, she turned 22 on her honeymoon. And um, we were actually serving at a, a church in a small town in Kansas. And uh, the youth ministry at the time was actually the thing in the city. And um, but when you're a town of twelve thousand people, there's it doesn't take yeah. much to be the thing, yeah. right? And uh, I got to ha- had the opportunity to meet Pastor Tom Mullins and Todd Mullins at a camp I was leading worship at, and they asked me to come and be a part of the Christ Fellowship Church as the student pastor. And so after a series of time, we actually came and ended up here. Um, you know, we had just had uh, you know, our first. Um, child, Alex. So this is 25 years, almost 26 years ago. And, uh, you know, when we came, because I had been, had some ex- success as a youth pastor in a small town, I, I thought I was the stuff. I yeah. thought, you know, 25 years old, had it all figured out. Uh, I don't know if anybody can relate, but, um, you know, just felt like, you know, I was kind of the, the thing. And yeah. I realized pretty quickly that, um, the world where I was had come from to where I was now in South Florida was totally different. For sure. And so, um, you know, had a lot of just bumps and bruises along the way, trying to figure out life, trying to figure out marriage, trying to figure out being a, a parent. And over about the next decade or so, um, had the opportunity to serve mostly in student ministries and then in our worship mm-hmm. ministry here at Christ Fellowship. And around uh, 2004, we launched our first, campus, um, which is uh, out, was out in Wellington. It's now our Royal Palm Beach campus. But um, Lisa and I had the opportunity and privilege of being part of the launch team for that and served there as the worship pastor until around 2007. And um, the church had grown. At that time, I believe we had uh, five locations. And I was asked to step in and oversee all the worship ministry wow. for all our locations. And so it was at that point I, I went from being, you know, an individual contributor, meaning that I was just one of the team, kind of doing my my role, to stepping into more management, where I was overseeing processes and people and systems and strategy. And it was it was a pretty big shift. I, I think it's a big shift for anybody right. who's moving uh, from being that one, you know, person who's contributing to now, like, leading contributors. Right. And um, so between 2007 and, and 2012, my leadership position and responsibilities increased um, to the point that um, in 2011, I stepped onto the executive team. But at, at the same time that my responsibilities and position increased, my um Leadership skills and probably my leadership competencies didn't increase at the same pace, and so around 2012 is actually the end of 2012, right after Thanksgiving, I was um, in a meeting with one of my uh, key team members, and you know he had just come ba- um, back from a vacation away th- for Thanksgiving. And at the end of the meeting, he said, "Hey, there's one more thing." And out of his pocket, he pulled out an envelope, and I was like, "What's this?" And uh, it was his resignation letter. Wow. And it was the first time I'd ever had somebody give me the resignation letter, which was a, kind of a shock. Mm-hmm. And um, at the same time, behind the scenes, while I didn't know what was happening, there were uh, several other members of my team that um, were unhappy with how I was leading. And, you know, they had all individually went to our HR department and and basically the same kind of message was that I was hard to work with, yeah. heavy-handed, hard-hearted, uncaring. Didn't know if they could continue working uh, with me. And uh, so, because of my my position in the church as executive, it was taken very seriously. Yeah. And I was shell shocked. I you know I was blindsided right. by it. I I didn't see that in myself. I was like, man, I you know I have invested myself here. I I'm pouring into you know my teams. Feel like I'm leading at a high level, um, but during that in- investigation period, you know, our senior pastors, because I was very close to them, they they wanted to make sure that there wasn't something going on that they didn't see. And uh, over that period of time, I had the opportunity to sit down with each one of those team members and hear from them and um, kind of their perspective on me. And it, it was hard. I mean. Uh, now we're in the 2013 and which is really kind of a blur to me. I don't remember a lot about 2013, just knowing uh, feeling like I was walking around on eggshells, feeling okay. very fragile, feeling very um, like uh, insecure in my position. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, worked worked through uh, some of the relational things with those team members. I remember having a meeting with my entire team, which at that time was about 40 or 50 people and standing in front of them, very vulnerably saying, Hey, you know, I I messed up. I am trying to learn. And, you know, I'm gonna, if you'll give me another chance, I I'll be better as a leader. And, um, uh, the end of 2013 I was introduced to a tool called EQI 2.0 and love the sound of that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's, it's a, it's an emotional intelligence assessment and, you know, at that time, you know, I've been in leadership for you know a couple decades, and but never, never really learned much about emotional intelligence. And when the assessment came back, it was like this light bulb went off. It was like, ah, that's sure. that's what's going on. So, you know, what it revealed, what uh, EQI assessment does, is it it looks at 15 different skill sets that relate to emotional intelligence, all of which you can develop and grow. And what I saw was that I uh, under leveraged empathy, huge. Like it was off the charts bad. Like I'm empathetic, but I just wasn't leveraging it, right? And at the same time, I was over leveraging assertiveness, which assertiveness is kind of the midpoint between aggression and passivity. Yeah. And so, because I was over leveraging it, I would walk into a room and thinking, I was just being direct, being clear, but it came across very aggressive. And because I was under leveraging empathy, it felt like I no, I didn't care. And so I teased that I would come into a meeting and you know, think that it was a great meeting and leave, not knowing that team members were like huddled up in wow. corners, you know, crying and you know, and that's harsh. It was it was <laughs> bad. Um, but that that moment for me was kind of, you know, I, I talk about and that it it was kind of the keystone. Yeah. it was the keystone that unlocked my personal growth and um, when I realized that, I just I just decided, you know what? I, I I'm responsible for my leadership. Yeah. And it was from that point forward that I just became very dedicated, committed to growing myself as a leader. And um, you know, over the last eight and a half, nine years, you know, I feel like my influence has grown in the organization and what's followed has been my leadership capacity, has followed my influence. And I think in the past, the position, influence followed the position, and now I've really focused on just leveraging my influence and allowing whatever God uh, puts me in the opportunities he has for me to to follow the influence. And so, you know, now I sit on the senior leadership team here at Christ Fellowship and uh, look after, you know, um, the worship ministry, all the creative ministries, the ministries of the church. And just recently, uh, Lisa, my wife, and I stepped into uh, be the interim campus pastors yeah. at one of our locations in Jupiter. So it's it's been a fun it's been a fun journey. I've learned a lot.
1: That is awesome, and, and that you covered a lot. And I, you said something that you you under leveraged your empathy, and uh, I just love that idea of the fact that we're equipped with things, but we don't always leverage them yeah. the way that they ought to be. And and something I was thinking about because we're gonna have young adults who who are who are tuning in, who are listening, who are watching. Who have the call to leadership? They have the capacity to grow as leaders. They're they're big dreamers, and I think uh, we had talked about this uh, a couple podcasts ago. The fact that young adults were ambitious, mm-hmm. uh, we're, were goal oriented. We want to chase. We want to accomplish. And I think a lot of the times we don't sit down and hear these kind of conversations. Yeah. I think the reality is a lot of young adults will, will look at what you're doing now, or look at someone in culture, or in the the business sector they want to be in, or whatever have it, uh, the Instagram page. And I think the idea is like, well, that's, I want to be there now. And they forget, we we forget that there is a process and there are a lot of, there's mistakes that will be made. There's, there's lessons to be learned. There's uh, qualities to be developed. There's systems to be put into place. And so I know, I know for you, you're leading at a capacity that you're leading now, and you just kind of walked us through your journey. But I also know that in part of your process, like you, you know, self-awareness was, was huge to that, and you kind of started putting in systems yeah. to kind of help you. So uh, I want to want to circle back to the book conversation and, and keep going forward, because I know that you didn't start off... Uh, when you started off in ministry, how old were you? Uh, well, I started in college, so I was 18, 19 okay. years old. I don't know any 18, 19-year-old, 20... I don't know any 20-year-olds who are reading... 77 books. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. some cost students, we're not even getting through our textbooks that yeah. are assigned. So, you know, somewhere along your journey in self-awareness and these tools, you build a system into place yeah. to now that's a normal part of your life, but it doesn't happen on accident. So if you could just talk to what, you know, what does it look like to have a, a life that at the end of the year, you're, you're finishing 77 books on top of all the things that you just walked us through, all the different umbrellas of yeah. leadership that you have, what are what is what's a system that you've kind of put in place to, to accomplish that? Cause I know that That's young leaders we, we need to be readers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the average American reads one book a year. So um, I've I've always told young leaders is like, hey, if you'll just read two, you're far yeah. above hey. you know if you can get ten, I mean ten times yeah. more than most people. Um, you know, I I I think for me, reading was always Hard. So, I have dyslexia. I always struggled through school. Um, you know, and I think early on in my leadership journey, I rested on that excuse. Yeah. I'm a slow reader of dyslexia. I can't retain anything. Um, and so I just didn't. And, and the funny thing is, you know, I had these, you know, it seemed like every week I was given a book. Yeah. You know, John Maxwell was heavily involved with early on, still is, but like every time he came out with one of his 515,000 yeah. <laughs> books he's written. Unreal. <laughs> um, we would get a copy of it and it would just sit on my shelf. Yeah. But when I realized that it, I was responsible for my own leadership journey, I I just decided that I was gonna do something about it. So um, one of the books I read um, early on when I, I decided, okay, I'm gonna set a goal and I'm gonna read... Um, Twelve books this year, one book a month. I think yeah. I can do that, and so I did. And I started out Audible because I, you know I heard um, Michael Hyatt one time on a, a podcast say that you know the read for uh, expansion, not for retention. And so Audible books are actually a form of reading, so that's where I started. Yeah. And the second year I read tw- I read twelve books. The first year, second year I read twenty four books. And um, that year I read a book by Darren Hardy called The Compound Effect. And the, basically, the, the, it's built on a concept that Jim Rohn taught that basically uh, small, smart choices um, over time, plus consistency over time equals success. Mm. And so I really started kind of going, oh. man, what if I just started compounding my life? And what if I broke down the big goal to a small goal? And I, and I thought, what if I just read 10 pages a day? So I, I flipped the, the system from trying to finish books to just finish pages. Wow. And it was cumulative. That's a,
1: it's a big mental shift. It is. Because I don't think, I, I don't know anyone who else thinks that way. It's always like you handed a book and you see, well, there's 200 pages in this, but you see the cover to cover and the title. And it's like, yeah. I want to stamp my hand on that and say, I finished this. Right. That's, that's that's a small change, but a big yeah, a big difference. Well,
0: and, and, and the whole power of the compound effect is, it's not just for reading, it's for anything, in any endeavor, any goal, any habit you're creating, it's creating such small choices that you can't fail wow and I figured I could read 10 pages a day yeah. cumulative and so right. I mean when I started doing it I um, I started putting books everywhere so I had a book in the in the bathroom I had a book in my backpack I had a book on my iPhone um, then I you know had a book you know in my chair where I sat in the morning and um, so that that year I think I I read um, 36 36 or 40 books. And I thought, well, man, if I can just do a little bit more, what if I did? Um, actually, I take it back. I, I got to like 36 books, and I was like, I wonder if I can get to 50. And so I calculated, I was like, if I just read seven more pages a day, that would put me the the 50 books. And um, it, that's that's been always been my process. So now every morning, my system is the first thing I do when I wake up. 5 a.m. in the morning is Ooh. I um, get I go out, get a, get a cup of somebody. coffee. Get a cup of coffee. Um, I do my quiet time, I journal, and then I do my reading. And I found that if, if I don't do my reading in the morning, I don't get it done. So, and how long does, because we hear 10 pages, and I think that's different for everybody. Right.
1: What is 10 pages for you? You know?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I read, my, my reading pace is really slow. I mean, I'm, I'm, I read maybe 300 words a minute. So it takes me, you know, by the time I do all my disciplines, I'm reading 20 to 25 pages a day now. And I do it all in that block, you know. It's it's an hour and a half from the time I sit down with my coffee, quiet time, journaling, and reading. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that's just been my process, and so, and then I I made the commitment too. Is like any time that I'm by myself in the car or I'm exercising, I'm listening to a book. Yeah. Um, You know, I I I heard somebody say one time about um, redeeming the time, and you know, sometimes we're we're wasting time in the car listening to music or or whatever. So now, back when I started, podcasts weren't the big thing, uh, but they've become so huge. Now now it's a great opportunity to learn from others on podcasts. But Audible books have been that process for me of listening in any time I have available to to learn from that, so.
1: I love that, the concept of redeeming time. Uh, Kind of coming back to our our comment a few moments before, like young adults were ambitious, right? So they see the vision, they see the dream, I wanna do that thing but your ambition without discipline to carry through in the, in the little details lives in, a, in the world of time. Yeah. And I, I love that you had said, you know, just walking through your routine and it built over time slowly, but even that, even the hour and a half from wake up, coffee, quiet time, reading, hour and a half is not a lot of time in the 24-hour day period, it's right? Smart. Even if you, you know, have a full work day and you make food, there's still a few hours left over to decide whatever we want to do with. And I think... You know, there's something that we have on our iPhone that reveals where our time is going, and it's yeah. it's it hurts. You know, you're like screen time five hours a day. Like, are you serious? Yeah. And and so I just want you to speak to the young adult maybe who's going, I'm struggling, I'm struggling with my time. Yeah. And I feel like it's out of control How, because at the end of the day, it's it's overtime success. It's not overnight. Like that's just a reality. It's 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 slow incremental. But learning to kind of steward our time. So if maybe you just speak to like yeah. what is part of self-leadership is like stewarding our time. What are some maybe tips for, for, you know, time management, just kind of navigating all that's on your plate and maximizing it versus, you know, wasting it?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, first thing is you can't manage time uh, because time can't be managed. It's a fixed commodity. That's helpful. So, you know, we all have 168 hours a week. Yeah. You don't get more, you don't get less. It doesn't matter how privileged or unprivileged you yeah. are. We, it, you know, Kevin Kruse um, wrote a book called 15 Secrets that Highly Successful People Know About Time Management, and he he makes a comment that time is a great equalizer because it, it doesn't matter where you come from, we all have the same amount of time. So that yeah. that's the first thing. Um, I think the, the key is focusing what you do within the time that you have. Yeah. And um, too many people don't spend time focusing their time, and so they let their time go away. Time's kind of like money. You know, mm. if, if you don't have a budget and if you're not, you know, making a plan for every dollar that you, that you have to come in, then that money's going to disappear. Yeah. Right. And the same, but in the same thing with time, yeah. the, the good thing about money is it's, it's a renewable commodity. You can go back out and earn more money. You can't do that with time. Yeah. Once it's gone, it's gone. And, um, so focusing what you do within that amount of time, you know, I, I think when I was younger, um, you know, I, I probably, there's there's probably some some areas that I was lax in my time. Like I would sleep in in the mornings, mm-hmm. you know, I would stay up late. And, you know, the only thing we're really required time-wise to, to kind of maintain energy and so forth is about seven to eight hours of sleep a day. So I think a lot of young adults, have a tendency to stay up late yep. and then mm-hmm. sleep in and that they've, they've just slept away time that they're never going to get back. Yeah. And so I think if I were to encourage my younger self, I would say, Hey, James, start building a discipline to get up earlier yeah. and redeem that time. I mean, um, there's, there's no interruptions and it's before my kids get up. Yeah. It's before my wife gets up. It's a little bit before my, my dog yeah. gets up. So yeah. um yeah. I have some time. Are you a,
1: are you a morning person? Because I think that, I think the, Devil's advocate would say, "Well, I'm not a morning person. Yeah, it just won't work for me." And
0: no, I, I'm not. I, I think I've, I think I've disciplined myself um, to be yeah, a morning person. There it is. But you can only be a mor- morning person if you're, if you take care of your nights. Yeah. Well. So you can't stay up till midnight and one o'clock in the morning and think you're going to get sleep up good. at five o'clock. You can mm-hmm. do it a little bit, but eventually yeah. you're going to be sleep deprived. And it's going to affect your energy and everything else you do. So, so I would say, you know, focus your time. And I think the way you do that is. You know, I would I would encourage young adults to kind of find a couple tools. For me, uh, you know, I I use a kind of a, a framework that's based off of Stephen Covey's four quadrants or the Eisenhower matrix. Basically, it's it's the things I must do, I should do, I could do, and I should not mm-hmm. do. And um, you know, if you were to read Seven uh, Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey talks about you know the the um, balance between what's important and what's urgent. And those things that are both important and urgent are kind of the must-do things. They have a timeline, deadline to them. Um, the things that are uh, you know, important, but they're not urgent are those kind of could-do things. And so you begin to set your priorities. You know, And I would just say, as a side, the thing I teach is the place that you should spend most of your time are the things that you must do and should do. Yeah, Because those things you should do are the things that are important, but they're not urgent. And those those are things like your health, mm-hmm. relationships. Reading is a should do thing if you want to develop yeah. and 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 grow yourself for the future. Then you start investing now. It's the should do things are things that you know if you ex- don't exercise for a couple of days, it's not a big deal. If you don't exercise for years, it's going to catch up right. down the road and, and hurt you. So, and then the other pieces, I'd say the two tools that every person needs is they need a calendar and a budget. Yeah. And to manage your life by your calendar and your budget—that's great. You know, um, you should know where every every minute, every hour goes. You should know where every dollar that you your yeah. spending goes. And if you know, if individuals would just kind of stick to stick to a calendar, if it doesn't make it in your calendar, it's not going to make in your life. Wow. And stick to your to your budget you know, you're going to be better financial and you're going to be better with um, your your self-leadership in time. Yeah, I
1: love that. I think calendaring is, is huge. Um, it's such a visual representation of where it is going. Uh, do you, you know, for, for your own life, do you calendar, uh, do you have work the same calendar with personal? Do you have interweaving kind of things? I think um, just if we can kind of create some practical yeah. visuals for young adults who are going, man, I got school, I got you know, 40 hours of work and I'm, you know, I'm doing these different, I want to do a side business, but I'm, I'm struggling. I want to honor God with the Sabbath. Like Mm -hmm. how how do I do it? What should it look like? Um, Should I do it now? Is this something I should kind of
0: ease into? Well, I think when you're starting out using your calendar, I think you should put everything in your calendar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, one of the things that we teach a lot is calendar blocking. So it's very simple, just block out times for different things you want to do. Now in my life, I I don't I don't block out Sabbath because I know when that's going. It's a regular rhythm, right? Things are regular rhythms. May not need to be calendar as much, but specifically when you're trying to build habits and disciplines and make sure that things are happening in your life, to put that in your calendar is important. You know, um, you know, my wife and I do a podcast as well, and I calendar that. You know, Uh the the interviews we're doing, the editing I'm doing for it. Um, you know, to make sure that I'm I have it allotted the time in my calendar when I know I'm gonna do that. So yeah, I, I'm I'm a huge advocate that you put anything that's important in your calendar. And the other thing the calendar does is it it's it allows you to say no. Yeah. You predetermine your priorities, you so predetermine your commitments. And it's an easy way to say, you know, no. Um, you know, one of my favorite statements is that yes lives in the land of no. Wow. You know the things you want to say yes to require a lot of no's, yep. and if you don't um, if you don't manage if you don't manage your calendar if you don't if you don't fill your calendar with the things that are are in priorities to you, somebody else or something else is going to fill yep. your calendar with so things true. that are not going to get you where you want to be. Yeah. What do you say, to the
1: young adult who's who's listening, going, I don't know how to say no, and I don't know who I can say no to. I just feel like no isn't a part of my vocabulary, and even when I try to say no, I say yes, and I'm I'm terrified of the what's on the other side of a, of a no, even though that's that's what's good. Yeah, I think uh, right we're ambitious. Oh, next thing, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. and so it's like I don't want to slam a door. I don't want to.
0: Yeah, that, that that's a good question because I think especially um, you know people who are starting out in your careers or starting out in you know your work life, you know basically everything you do right now as a, as a young adult is based on execution. Yeah. And so you want to say yes to the things that are going to move you forward. I think that's where the the must do's and the the should do's and the should not do's. That's I think I point. think that the should not do's are the obvious no's. Those are time wasters. Those are things that are not going to move you forward to where you want to be in the future. And those things you should just practice saying no. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that you could always say to yourself is like, ask yourself, when I say no to this, what does this give me the opportunity to say yes to? Or if I say yes to this, what am I saying no to now or in the future? And again, anything that's going to kind of help you move forward to your goals and in your dreams of, you know, aspirations of what you want to do in your career, your calling, your vocation, you know, most of the time that's going to be yes, especially when you're starting out building your you know, building your reputation, your, your, um, I guess your, your history of work say yes, but things that are time wasters that are going to pull you away from who you really want to be in the future. Those should be no.
1: Yeah. I I love that. And I think of, uh, what a discipline is to kind of flex that muscle and, you know, just like you're in a gym, if you'd ever, you never use the weights; you're probably not going to be strong yeah. in the same way. If you've never said no, you're not really going to know how or it feel like. And and if you've never said no, most likely at some point uh, we've double booked ourselves. Yeah, I think I've been in that position where and it's it's a terrible feeling because you have on on one hand you have one person you've said yes to, and you want to please them, at a time and a location. Yeah, and on the other hand, you have someone you've also said yes to, at a different location but at the same time, and you're left going. I've double booked myself. I've kind of put my foot in my mouth. Yeah. What do, Now I got to kind of clean this up. Have you had moments in your, your life and even leadership where you've kind of had to navigate that war? Yeah. Had to help, you know, a young leader who's been like, they've been saying yes to everything and sit down and say, hey, this is the consequence of double booking yourself. Here's some things, you know, the calendar, the priorities. If, yeah. You know.
0: Well, um, I forget the quote exactly, but I was listening to... Um, a teacher teach that, you know, uh, an, an immediate no is so much better than a delayed no. Mm-hmm. And um, the the fact is, I think it comes down ultimately to a character issue and building wow. character in our lives is um, if you've ever been on the receiving end when somebody says, yes, yes, I'm going to do that. And then the day before, they're like, oh, man, uh, got to cancel on you yeah. or can't do it. Sorry. But it would have been so much better if yeah. they would have just said no on the front end and I think when we're younger, we don't maybe necessarily understand that now that I'm older and I had that happen to me, it's, you know, if, if it's to your employer or to a, to a family member yeah. or whatever, that can be, that people can begin to lose trust or lose uh, you can become um, non-dependent, non-dependable or you're not dependent. They can't, they can't depend upon right. you to, to keep your word. So, you know, no, no saying no. And, uh, a well thought out yes really speaks to growing your character and growing your integrity and growing uh, how people can trust you. I love that. It comes down to,
1: uh, that's, that's huge. Uh, integrity, character. And I know for, for us, I want our generation, my, me and myself, I want to be marked by that, by Yeah, integrity. I want to be fully whole and undivided yeah. with the words I say, the actions of my life. Uh, but I think sometimes here's, here's the deal. Uh, we, we don't, we don't know that those are blind spots. I know we have had conversation before about blind spots in leading. And what do you say the person who who doesn't know that that's a problem? You yeah. Know, that's they have giant blind spots in their life. How, what is the if that doesn't go? Uh, if that does? If that goes unresolved? What are the dangers of having those kind of blind spots? You know, five years down the road, ten years down the road, if that doesn't get sorted out?
0: Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, it's the same thing that really that happened with me with empathy. You know, if I would have known a lot earlier in my Career that I was not leveraging empathy, it would have helped me. And I, and I, and I, I wish there were some people who could have explained to me and what they yeah. saw, um, but I, I really wish that I would have asked. Yeah. You know, one of the, I think one of the best questions you can ask of people that you trust and that, you know, love you is, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Ooh. You know, um, That's sometimes a scary question. Sometime yeah. we don't want to know, yeah. right? But you know, the relationships you're close to, the people that you have in your life, are gonna if they care about you and they want the best for you, they're gonna speak truth to you. And um, and so, you know, I think I think blind spots, you know, they're called blind spots because we don't we know we don't have them. But if we're careful to look at um, some of the outcomes in our life, and you trace that back to why does this always happen, or mm-hmm. where, how does this play out, you can trace it back to a blind spot, just like in the car accident, yeah. right? Um, you know, a blind spot in a, in, in a car, you can trace back the accident. Well, they didn't see it coming because there was a blind spot. Yeah. Well, same thing in our life. If we have some repeated patterns, one of the tools I teach is this idea of um, know yourself, lead yourself. And, you know, we all have tendencies and those tendencies um, result in the way we act. And then those actions have consequences. Right. And then the consequences result in the reality of how people experience us. But if you can just look at the consequences in your life, positive, negative, right. and you start kind of tracing it back, what what are the what's the what's the action that's leading to the negative consequence, and then trace that back again? Are there things in my life or patterns that happen that that cause me to act this yeah. way, and um, and I think that's how you start becoming aware of blind spots. I think another way, you know, if I were just, you know. For me, that's been really helpful for blind spots are assessments. Yeah, you know, I mentioned EQI is a it's a, a great assessment on emotional intelligence. You know, I'm a huge believer in assessments. Yeah. I think I don't think one assessment is perfect. I don't think one assessment tells a whole story. Mm-hmm. That's why I was you know encourage leaders to take every assessment you can because you start uh, painting the picture of who you are right. as an individual. So you know when I overlay emotional intelligence with the enneagram yeah. and then with myers briggs yep. and strength finders i start seeing the kind of a, a pattern of who i am and it starts revealing some of those blind spots some of those weaknesses in my leadership that i can begin to, to yep. address
1: that's good and i think we could have a whole few segments on those kinds of uh, assessments and all the value that they add i think that's a plus to kind of the, the age we're living in, you know, we're, we're a content heavy driven society. But with that, you do have X, you know, accessibility to these kinds of personalities, yeah. these things that are, they're tools to help you get to where you're supposed to go and yeah. become the person you're supposed to become. This is kind of a uh, similar to blind spot, but I want you to think for a moment, uh, I know you have young adult children and so your young adults are relevant to your life, but just in your own leadership, as you've been leading through multiple departments, um, you know, if you looked at our young adult generation, you know from from the bird's eye view, what are some maybe faulty mindsets some some thought patterns, maybe some yeah, we'll stay there, some faulty mindsets that that we need to kind of be readjusted, that need to be called out, maybe just uh, dealt with and encouraged to kind of think differently or you know I, I'm just kind of stuck in that space of man, what I know that there's some thinking, there's some attitudes, there's yeah. some mindsets that maybe if we could just
0: yeah. You know, well, so I think the answer to that question, it's a, t- it's a, it's a challenging question yeah. because, you know, you don't want to pigeonhole totally. individuals into a thing. But if, I think if you look at culture as a whole today, I think there is a sense that, um, that somebody else is responsible for me. Yeah. Um, somebody's responsible for my success. Somebody's responsible for my, my happiness. Somebody else is responsible for my provision. Um, you know, we we've, um, you know, part of that is just the the, the culture of um, entitlement, yeah. and I, I think it's a faulty mindset. I think when you when you look back at the history of just achievement and, and people who have done great things, they haven't relied on somebody else for the success. It's taken work. It's taken dedication and. I think that's a faulty mindset that somebody else is going to help you get where you need to be. And I think that was a faulty mindset for me as a young adult, honestly, that somebody else was responsible for my leadership. And um, I think another kind of faulty mindset is probably around this whole idea of the, um, that success happens overnight. Yeah. Um, That, you know, I think with, you know, the speed of information, I think you look at, you know, these startups, you know, social media startups are influencers that that like look, look like they popped up overnight. Right. And the reality is you don't see all the hard work that went in or the dedication that went into that. And so I think it's a faulty mindset that, man, if I don't make it, if I don't make my mark before I'm, you know, out of my 20s and right. my early 30s, then I fail. Right. that's
1: real. It, it is real. feel that. But. But,
0: but the reality is that, you know, most people... Their, in, their major influence in life is going to come based on what they do through their 20, yeah. 20s and 30s. Um, it's not going to be in their 20s and 30s. Sure. And so I think you're going to have influence, but it's it's what you do in your young adult years that's going to set you up yeah. for the next chapter in, in your life. So I think those are a couple things that I would say, um, you know, m- that may be faulty mindsets, maybe? Yeah, no, I,
1: I definitely, I, I concur with that. Concur is a weird word to say, but I remember at the beginning of this conversation, you had, when you're talking about your journey and kind of like the different opportunities that were coming your way and your responses, you, you said something like, I came to a place where I was like, I need to take responsibility for my own, you know, my self-leadership, like leading myself and, and kind of setting yourself up to be like, I'm, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to make some changes. Yeah. And so I love that we were earlier talking about the books that you've read, because I even in this conversation, you've referenced probably four or five, six authors and specific books all built around different topics that have contributed to self-development, self-leadership, growing uh, your capacity. And ultimately like all of that is, is so that God can use us. Yeah. You know, we're doing our part. And I think you've been an example for that. So, you know, for the last, um, uh, Few minutes, I want to talk through a couple more questions, but if you could just talk through maybe what are a couple of resources, maybe uh, in 2020, I know you had 77 books, but if you had to narrow down to you know one or two, three books who are just like super impactful, um, and and I want us to be able to attach some of the resources for uh, our listeners today who are like, I want, I want, I want to check out these 77 books because if you're a high reader, most likely you're probably gonna, you know, be intentional about what you're reading you know, what you are giving your time to. So what are a few of those resources that you've read recently that have been impactful that a young Mm -hmm. adult could, even in their season of life, pick it up and be like, aha, light bulb.
0: Okay, so that's a really difficult question because there's a lot of books and and every time I have to think about like, man, what are the books I would recommend? Here's, Here's what I would say is, um, there's a, there's a few authors that have really impacted me, and what I what I find is when I find one book by an author, I yeah I want to read everything they have. So recently, that's been a guy named Tom Morris. Um, he wrote the first book I hit. I wrote, read this last year was a, a book called Play Those Lemonade Stand, and it's uh, he's a, a modern day philosopher. Okay. Uh, he taught at Notre, University of Notre Dame. He's a, he's an amazing thinker, amazing writer. So you know anything from Tom Morris. I would say is a, a great book. Play Those Limited Saints is a great one to start with. Um, John Maxwell still one of my favorite yeah. writers, and his um, last four or five books have maybe been some of his best books. Oh. And um, so I think anything from Maxwell is going to be great. Uh, probably one of the most influential people in my life, um, in my personal leadership, has is a man I've never met and he's he's deceased now is a guy named Jim Rohn and i would say that if you know somebody wants to really create um, a personal philosophy of self leadership and developing yourself um i would i would pick up anything from Jim Rohn and you know if you listen to audio books, you have to get over the little bit of the quirkiness of his voice yeah. but the content you know is so powerful um, and then i mentioned the one book that you know, is uh, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy is probably a must read. If you want to begin to look at your life and how can I, you know, begin to instill small habits over time, they're going to lead me yeah. to the success I want to be. And if you couple that with another book by James Clear called Atomic Habits, oh, yeah. so good. those two books together will give you uh, a structure and a system a framework To build a a life of self leadership. I love that. That's awesome. Thanks for giving some of his resources. Um,
1: and, And lastly, obviously, you consume so much great content. I know that it it sticks, it stays, and so where can our listeners find more stuff that you're doing, you're writing your podcast? would love for you to kind of talk a little bit about that. Where can we, we get to listen to that podcast? Yeah. Today, you're not the host, you are the guest yeah. with all the knowledge, but I know you get to... Which is doing, a lot
0: more pressure, by yeah, the way. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, today you're getting the opportunity to, to swap roles, but in your podcast, I know you get to interview a lot of great people, so yeah. just kind of, where can our listeners find you, find more information about some of the stuff that you're doing, you're writing, and, and stay up to date with that?
0: Yeah. So um, I, I blog at uh, uh I haven't been writing as much lately because be, we've been working on building out the yeah. podcast. Uh, my wife, Lisa, and I have a podcast called the Live Lead Last Podcast, Lovely. which is an interview-based podcast. And we interview um, individuals and couples who are kind of leading their life and leveraging their influence on a daily basis to leave an impact in the world and interview some great, uh, great, interesting people, interesting yeah. guests. And then I'm uh, on all those social platforms at the James Duvall. And it's only the James Duvall because some other person named James Duvall has James Duvall. I love that caveat.
1: That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Last question. Okay. So this is uh last question. It, it's a big one, but it's similar to the things we've talked about. You got one sentence, one last big piece of advice to all the young adults in the world. What's your, what's your, your last words of wisdom? Gosh, that's a tough
0: question. Um, I, I would say, I don't know if it's one sentence, because I have a That's hard okay. time saying one sentence. I would say, it can be a run on. if you're listening today, whoever you want to be, whatever you want to do is all within your ability. If you're willing to do the work mm-hmm. every day to be the person you want to be and to do the things you want to do. That's awesome. Um, success doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's a process. It doesn't happen in one day. It happens over a series of days. And I think if, if you'll stay committed to the process, um, progress will happen yeah. over time and get you to where you want to be.
1: Man, I hope you all are taking notes, but Pastor James, thank you so much for, for being thank with you. us on the podcast today. And, uh, man, I, I'm going to watch this back and take the notes. I am too.
0: Cause I think it's Good stuff for me it's, to learn it's again so too. So good.
1: So uh, grateful for you being with us. Excited. Hopefully, we get to do this again. In, in I would the love to go a little bit deeper and to have some more conversation. But just want to say thank you to everyone tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from, and uh, we love you. Until next time, we'll see you soon.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Young and Adulting. Don't forget to tune in Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. on our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at cf.youngadults. And if there's a topic you'd like to talk about, we want to hear about it. Send us an email or leave a comment with your thoughts. We'll see you next time.